0: Well, as they make their way, uh, I encourage you to make your way to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And um, as you turn there, I want to also just tell you a little something. I, um, for the last uh, 12 years now, have been a board member at Great Oaks Camp, a ministry that exists to um, provide... A camp experience to the at-risk youth of Peoria County, in particular, uh, those of inner city Peoria, and we have done so for 50 years, and this year is our 50th anniversary celebration. This Thursday night is our 50th anniversary celebration dinner down at the Embassy Suites, and I have just a few uh, tickets left to that dinner. And if you would like to go, at my expense, uh, I have eight tickets left. It'll be a good dinner. There'll be no fundraising appeal or anything like that. All we want to do is just celebrate what God has done over the last 50 years. And if you'd like to go, see me after church, and I'll get you as many tickets as you want. Uh, It'll be a fun and exciting um, way to do that. Uh, just celebrate all that God has done for fifty years in making the gospel known in this community and in helping people to experience not only uh, uh receiving the gospel but having their lives totally changed um, by the fact that Jesus has come into their life so uh that's an exciting thing now uh looking at Matthew chapter and guys, could I get some lights up here? That would be great I'm an old man I can't see. Um, But um, uh, when I was in college, one of the songs that I loved listening to was the DC Talk remake of an old song by a guy named Larry Norman called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Some of y'all know this song. Some of y'all were there for the beginning, for the first one. I was there for the remakes. Uh, If you haven't heard it, um, I recommend it. It is a haunting piece of music. One that is shot through with allusions to Matthew chapter 24. That when Jesus comes, there will be an immediate separation between people who were ready for Jesus coming and people who were not. And woven like a golden thread... Uh, of both lament and warning through the song is this line. I wish we'd all been ready. I wish we'd all been ready. I was thinking about that song and its chorus as I prepared this message this last week because there will be, there will be all right, uh, we got lights. Praise God! Thank you. That helps a lot. It really does. Um, there will be, for a fact, people who are not ready when Jesus returns, <laughs> and and since the consequences, <laughs> since the consequences of not being ready are serious, and guys, at this point, just leave them alone. Okay, it is more of a distraction than not having them on. Um, there will be people who are not ready when Jesus comes back. And the consequences of not being ready are serious. Jesus speaks of it this way. Two men will be working in a field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain. One will be taken and the other left. And the question that I want to ask all of us today is this very simple one. How do I get ready for Jesus' return? And Jesus spends chapter 25 answering that question in three interrelated parables. And we're going to look at all of them over the next three weeks. We're going to look at the first one today and then the second one next week. And then Josh will take you through the third one at the end of chapter uh, 25. Uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. But if you're able, I would invite you to stand and I'm going to read for you the parable of the ten virgins. And this is what the Word of God says. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Father, we do not know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return, but we know it is imperative that we are ready when He does so. And we know that it is certain that He is coming back. And so, Father, we pray that You would help us this morning to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. That when He comes, we would be ready and go with Him into the marriage feast. And Father, we we, uh, we pray you would help us by your Holy Spirit to understand these things and to apply them to our hearts and lives In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, to understand this story, um, you need a little background. Uh, first, there's the textual background, which is that Jesus is teaching his disciples in all of chapter 24 about the, the destruction of the temple, uh, about the end of the of all things in history, the end times, and about His coming. Uh, it, is called, it is delivered on the Mount of Olives. It's often called the Olivet Discourse for that reason, or the little apocalypse, because uh, it's kind of condensed version of, of uh, Revelation, uh, if you will. And Jesus is giving these warnings that are there. At the end of chapter 24, who is the faithful and wise servant whom the master will appoint over all of his house when he returns? Who uh, and he talks about uh, the you need to be ready because you don't know the hour or the day. Uh, two two men will be working in the field, one taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain, one will be taken and the other left. And he's given all these warnings, strong warnings. If the master had known at what hour. The thief would be breaking into his house. He would not let his house be broken into. The foolish servant is the one who uses the master's delay in coming back as an excuse for his sinfulness and finds himself condemned to hell as a hypocrite. That's the last one. There at the end. There are strong warnings preceding this parable. And this parable is given to explain them. Now there's also a little bit of cultural context that you need to understand. This is a lamp. Now, it's not a lamp like you normally think of one, but this is what a uh, an oil lamp in the Herodian period uh, during the reign of King Herod um, in Jesus' day would have looked like. And you'll notice there are two holes in it. Uh, the big one is to put oil in. Uh, the smaller one is to put your wick in, and you fed your wick down the littler hole, and uh, and it would absorb oil, and then you would have light. And you could carry that around with you like this, to wherever you needed light. So this is what an oil lamp would look like. Okay? Um, so that's, that's part of the cultural context. Another part of it is this, is that... Um, and at Jewish wedding, they didn't typically get they didn't typically get married as soon as the groom proposed. Typically, what happened is that the groom would propose, and then there would be some period of time that would elapse uh, during which they were they were betrothed, and then on the wedding day, when the house was ready for the bride to move into, and it was usually an addition onto the father's house. Does it sound like anything familiar to you? We're going to get a room at the father's house that we're going to live in, right? Uh, and the, that son would would build onto his father's house a, a little wing of the of the house in order for him to go get his bride. And then he would, while he was away, he would say, "I'm coming back for you." And on as the appointed day drew near, she would begin to gather her friends, and they would all go. And meet at her house. And then they would go together. In this big procession. He would take his friends. And go get her. And take her and her friends. And they would go back to the father's house. For the wedding. And the wedding feast. That would follow. And. As part of that. It was usually the procession. Uh, often took place at night. And. And. There would be this torchlight or, or lamplight processional. And you one of the ways you distinguished the guests who, who were invited from those who were party crashers, because you wouldn't necessarily know all of the people, uh, just as uh, in modern day weddings, sometimes the, the bride's family has people they invite, and the groom's family has people. They invite, and you don't know who's supposed to be there and not in every circumstance because you don't know who people are. But you would take this lamp, and if you were part of the processional, you had a lamp or a torch, and you were expected to keep that torch or that lamp lit the entire time you were in the processional, and that was one of the ways they distinguished people who were supposed to be in the group and people who were not. And so it would be very important that you have sufficient oil to keep your torch lit or your lamp lit on the whole procession so that you could be distinguished from a party crasher or even a robber who is trying to break into this. So anybody, when you got to the destination, who was, who was there without the culturally expected light is automatically excluded from entry by the groom and his attendants. So with all that background in mind, Jesus tells this story about ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet their bridegroom. The idea is is that these are the the bride's attendants and they're at her house waiting on the bridegroom. Uh, They're waiting for him and his attendants to arrive uh, and take them to the wedding feast that will begin. They're all in the same place together. Uh, They all... Uh, have the same kind of lamp that's expected, but they are not all the same kind of women. Some of them, five of them, are wise, and five of them are foolish. And you you can't tell initially uh, which ones are which by looking, but it becomes quickly apparent. The wise virgins are those who take oil with them, because while they know the groom is coming, they do not know One key fact, and that is, when? And they want their lamp to burn regardless of how long it takes so they don't miss the party that is coming. Anybody had a party you ever really wanted to go to? What do you do? You put that on the calendar. If you have a paper calendar, you might circle it in red a few times, right? Uh, You're not going to miss this. You want to make sure that, that... that, that you clear everything else off of there so that you can go to this. Because it's important. You don't want to miss it. And as the evening unfolds, the groom is delayed longer than they initially expected. And it gets late. It gets late in the evening. And all of the women, all ten of them, fall asleep. And so there's no judgment implied. On the fact that they fell asleep, it's 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 late at night. Midnight comes and they hear a shout: "The bridegroom is here! He's coming! He's on the way! Come out to meet him!" Everyone gets up and immediately it says, "The text says they trimmed their lamps." In other words, what they did was they cut off the burnt end of the of the wick uh, and put enough wick out there where it would burn cleanly, and they'd have good flame. But foolish women now find that their lamp is beginning to sputter and flicker because they don't have enough oil to make it through the procession to the groom's house. Well, what's the point so far? Well, answering that question requires understanding the story. Who is the bridegroom? Some of y'all who've been to Sunday school, who's the bridegroom? Jesus, right? Um, that reminds me of a story about a, a little kid who was in Sunday school, and the teacher was trying to get uh, the kids to participate, and um, and the, the, the teacher said, you know, there's an animal that lives in the forest, and he eats nuts, and he has bushy tail, And uh, and does anybody know what kind of animal it is? And the little girl raised her hand from the back and she said, yes, Susie. She goes, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But in this case, you should definitely say Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. And what is the coming that the virgins are waiting on a symbol for? is a symbol for... Jesus coming to claim those who belong to Him and to take them to the wedding feast that begins His kingdom. You know, I don't know if you know this, but the predominant image of the coming of the kingdom in all of Jesus' teaching is a party and a meal. Did you know that? And the religious people that are Jesus' opponents in His day uh the reason they're opposed to Him is because He keeps lengthening and, and widening the table and including more people that they don't like. <laughs> they, they get to come too. But the idea is, is that there's this party that's about to happen and Jesus is going to come back and take those who follow Him to it. Who are the ten virgins? Well, they represent two kinds of people. All of them similar in many ways. They're all gathered in the same place. Isn't that interesting? They're all gathered initially at the same place. They're all waiting on the bridegroom to come. They all have a lamp. They all become drowsy. Uh, They all go to sleep. And I think that's indicative of the fact that Jesus' coming will happen as life is unfolding. We'll work, we'll raise children, we'll um, we'll need to sleep sometimes. There's no judgment again implied in the fact that they're sleeping, but what's the key difference? What is it that makes half of them wise and half of them foolish? Well, the ones who are wise are prepared regardless of the time that the groom comes for them and the foolish. Well what about them? let's let's look at the rest of the text here. Verses 8-13. through The foolish women's lamps are going out from lack of oil. But they notice that the other women have got some. And so naturally they turn and they ask their wiser companions, hey, let me have some of your oil. But these wise women say, no, I don't have enough for you and me both. And I'm not going to be excluded. You'll have to go now to the dealer and buy some. Well, of course, that takes time. And the groom comes. And the procession leaves. And they're not in it. Because where are they? They're off getting ready for His arrival. And eventually the procession makes it all the way into the groom's house, and the door is shut. And then these foolish women are outside the door. Lord, Lord, open to us. We're supposed to be in there. And he opens the door. And says, truly I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And he shuts the door. And they are outside it. Again, what's the point? The point is is that you personally have to be ready for the bridegroom's return. Because you will not be able to borrow what you need from someone else when He arrives. There is not enough to go around. It will be too late to acquire it then. The door will be shut. The wedding feast will begin without you. And though you address the groom as Lord, He will declare that He does not know you and He will not let you in. Or to put it much more plainly, you don't know how much time you have until Jesus returns. It may be a little, or it might be a lot. And no one knows for sure the day or the hour according to Jesus Himself right here in verse 13. But this we do know for sure, that Jesus is coming. That is certain. Jesus is coming. We know that for sure. We know that He is coming to take those of us who believe in Him to His wedding feast which the book of Revelation calls the wedding supper of the Lamb and pronounces a blessing to all those who attend the wedding supper of the Lamb. And it will be a party. In fact, it is too much to call it a party. That's not saying nearly enough about it. It will be the party to, 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 by which all other parties pale in comparison. Because think about this. Think about this. Now, I know some of you all are creative. And you know how to have a party. Right? You know how to, how to throw a gathering that people don't want to leave. Right? Now think about that. And now think about this. Who is the Lord of creativity? Who is the one who gives the ability to create these amazing dishes that chefs create? Who is the person who's, uh, who's who first gave the idea for something like wine and steak and this kind of thing, right? Did we come up with that? The Lord gives to people the creativity for all those things. So how much of a party will this be? It will be fantastic. I don't know if we eat ribeye or not, but I know this for sure. I will not want to miss this gathering. It will be the party of all parties. But here is a reality check for all of us. It is eminently possible that People will miss it. In fact, it is absolutely possible that some of us in this room will miss it. And you will not want to. It is possible that some of the people who I love very deeply here at Chillicothe Bible Church will in fact miss the party and have the door shut in their face and hear these words, I don't know you. And it won't be because you don't possess something which is designed to give you light to get you there. And it won't be because you don't recognize the bridegroom's coming when it happens, or because you were asleep. It will be, ca- be because though you knew He was coming, you did not prepare your heart for His arrival. You see, here's the thing. This lamp has to be filled with oil in order to work. How much light is it giving off now? Zero. Right? It has to be filled with that which gives light in order to give life. And in the same way, you and I have to personally personally respond in faith to the Gospel in order to have the light of Jesus Christ burn within us. You can't borrow it from someone else. You can't simply hang out with the people who know Jesus and you can't simply hear the Gospel. You have to actually personally believe in Jesus. When you do that, you fill your lamp with enough oil to burn no matter when Jesus comes. But you can't borrow Him from somewhere, from somewhere else or somebody else. You can't say at the moment of His return, hey, give me some of that Jesus, will you? I need, I need Him. No. No. It will be too late to decide then. There is way more than enough Jesus to go around. There is. His salvation and grace is sufficient to save every single person who wants to be, but they cannot share their salvation with you. They can't grab you by the arm and take you to heaven with them at the moment when Jesus comes you have to acquire it for yourself directly. And it's true that when Jesus returns or you die whichever comes first it will be too late. There will not be a second chance another opportunity to enter your way into the party there are no more guests accepted at that point. Only those who were who were prepared to enter with the groom, Jesus Christ, will enter in to the wedding feast. And everyone without personal faith in Jesus Christ will hear these terrible words, I don't know you. And men and women, you need to know this too. I love you. I love every single one of you. And nothing would grieve my soul more than to find out that when I got to glory that you were not coming. Because you had never put your faith For yourself and Jesus, you simply hung out with those of us who did. You came to the same place that all of us came. Heard the same Gospel that all of us heard. But you personally never believed. And so either you died or the bridegroom came back. And you heard, I don't know you. It would be a terrible... Horrible and completely avoidable tragedy. And this passage calls to us for a response. And first and most importantly, I want to ask everyone here this very important question Are you ready? Are you ready? By that I mean this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins? Yours personally, not humanity's in generally, yours. And that he is your substitute who died on the cross for you. And you put your you've staked your life and your eternal destiny on him. So he said, I believe in him and received eternal life as a result. Have you believed that he is raised from the dead to give you new life? Do you know him as your Savior? Do you know him personally as your Lord and as his child. All these things are just honestly different ways of asking the same question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you never settled that question completely. Like if I ask you, hey, do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? And you're like, Well, I hope so. I think maybe, probably. And I were to ask you, Well, why would you go? And you were to be to say something like this, Well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. And I tell you that's the wrong answer? The only answer that Jesus accepts is faith in Him. Faith in Him. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for all your sin and all of mine too. His resurrection from the dead, the same power that raised Him from the dead, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it lives in you. And it saves you completely. But if you... Do not know Jesus personally. That power is not yours and you will not be invited into the party. And you don't want to miss it. And if you're thinking, well, i got lots of time. You don't know that. Cemetery is full of people who thought they had lots of time. And one day, Jesus will come back. It might even be today. I hope it's today. Anybody ever had a bunch of stuff on their plate and just like, Jesus, if you come back today, it would really help me out. (laughs) Right? I feel that way fairly regularly. Where I just walk around and look at the state of the world and I go, Jesus, like any time, I'm good with it. I just want you to know. You don't know how much time you have. Don't wait. I know that for sure. Don't wait to get ready. The Scripture says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts in rebellion. Put your trust in Jesus today. Don't let your life be the last line of that song I mentioned at the beginning that goes like this there's no time to change your mind the Sun has come and you've been left behind don't do that don't that have don't have that be the epitaph on your life not when the gospel and joy and transformation of your life and your soul is offered to you as as the gift of all gifts. Don't do that. Don't miss the party. Don't miss the Savior. Because He's the point of life. And more than that, He offers eternal life to everyone who asks. But for those of us who already know Christ, our calling is related, but it's different. We are called. In fact, we are sent on a mission to go out into the world and make disciples. What does that mean? It means to tell people this is where the oil is, your lamp. We are called to invite people to the party. To tell them about our glorious groom and the fact that He loves us and that He is coming back. And He is taking us to His house for the wedding feast. And then having believed that, to baptize them and teach them to obey everything that He commanded us until the day He comes back or we die, whichever comes first, either way results in glory for everyone who believes in Jesus. And since that is... Our calling, yours and mine. And since we don't know when Jesus is coming back, shouldn't we be busy about doing it? My dad, when I was a kid, used to assign me stuff to do because he felt that having a son with unoccupied time was probably sinful. And so uh, he, he took... He repented of that fully. I'll just say say that to you. Okay, I was always busy. I always had stuff to do, and and he would assign me some task, and then he would say these words to me. So remember this, son? Get busy and work hard because you don't have all day. When are you coming? I'm not sure, but I'd like this done before I get back. <laughs> right, and you don't have all day, so get after it. Right. This is our mission. We don't know when the groom is coming. We don't know how long we got. Hopefully not all day. But we get the the privilege of inviting people to the party with us. And saying to them, hey, come with me. It's going to be great. And not only is it going to be great then, it's great now. And you can be a disciple along with me. So let me ask you this question. If you're already a believer, praise God for that. But is there anybody on your radar right now, anybody in your life, maybe somebody in your family that you're going to see in about two weeks, that drives you nuts? Because they don't know Jesus and they're 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 a tough nut, and you and you're like, if I never saw them again, it would not bother me completely. But guess why they're in your life? They're in your life because God has given you an assignment to reach them with the Gospel. And you're going to see them. Is there anybody that needs to know Jesus so they can be prepared for Jesus' return? Anybody on top of that, you can help grow to maturity alongside you. You don't have to be that much further ahead. That you can say, come on. On top of that, if you don't have any of those kind of people, let me ask you this question. Why not? Is that too blunt? Why not? This is our calling. More on that next week but we want to make the most of the time that we have, however long it is. Amen? So, let's make the devil nervous this week and get busy fulfilling our calling to make disciples. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Father, I pray that we would indeed make the devil nervous this week because we are a people who have been filled by the Holy Spirit of the living God and sent out into the world with a task to make disciples and preach the gospel as part of that. Father, I pray that the gospel would pour forth from our lips and our lives in such a way that people would say, Surely there is a God in heaven who reaches and changes people because I can see it in these who are part of Chillicothe Bible Church. And Father, our goal is not to glorify ourselves but to bring glory to you in these things and we pray that you would help us to do that. And Father, I also just lay before you anyone who is still waiting, still thinking they have lost of time to maybe believe in Jesus someday, but not today, Father, I pray that You would not leave them alone. I pray You would not let them sleep tonight or a night this week or until they believe in Jesus Christ and experience the transformation that He offers. Father, meet our needs. Fill us with Your Spirit. Help us as we are sent out into the world. In Jesus' name, Amen.